Welcome to the Advancing Women Podcast, where ambitious women come together to challenge the status quo, advance their careers, and up-level their lives. The Advancing Women Podcast is hosted by gender equity expert and executive coach, Dr. Kimberly D. Simone. Welcome, warriors, to the Advancing Women Podcast. I am so thrilled to have Danette Sudith with me here today as we discuss processes, models, and tools for advancement. Danette is a certified executive coach with expertise in leadership development, career planning, and emotional intelligence. And clients choose Danette because she helps them create sustainable change in critical growth areas of their careers. She is a coach that I trust and have worked with professionally to achieve my professional goals, including launching this podcast. So I'm really excited to have you here today, Danette, to share your wisdom and guidance. Thank you so much, Kimberly. I am excited to be here. I am passionate about the topics that you cover, and it is my privilege and honor to participate today. Thanks. Oh, you're very welcome. So let's jump right in. And I want to first talk a little bit about why processes and models and tools are really important. Um, One of my favorite quotes is from James Clear's 2018 book, Atomic Habits. And the quote is, you do not rise to the level of your goals but you fall to the level of your systems. And for me, this really rings true. I mean, we spend a lot of time creating a goal, but that's in some ways almost the easy part. If you, if you think about it, people often have the same goals. I mean, every Olympic swimmer that gets into the pool has the same goal to win. All competitors want that. So it's not the goal necessarily that distinguishes the outcomes. It's really more the habits strategies and systems that we implement that impact that goal. I know for me as a professor, I found that when students aren't succeeding, it's rarely because they're not goal-driven, they're in a master's program. The goal is very specific, timely and measurable. They want to learn, they want to grow, they want to achieve that master's degree in order to help them get ahead in their career and to up-level their lives. But it's often the systems, the strategies, the habits um, that make the difference that either lead them to rise to the goal or fall short. And I know Danette, as an executive coach, I'm sure you see this as well. Yes, absolutely. With clients that I work with, they're already highly driven individuals who have achievements, but they haven't reached all of their goals. As you said, that plan and the process in the middle between point A and point B is really what's critical to the success and reaching that, you know, final accomplishment that they're currently going for, or whatever their passion and pursuit is that they, they want to accomplish. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you were to have a half hour, an hour long session with a client, I mean, how much time do you think you really spend saying what's the goal of the session versus how much time you actually spend in terms of actionable systems, steps, and strategies to get to the goal? I would say we probably would spend, you know, maybe 10 to 15% of the time because having the goal very clear for the client is critical and understanding why it's important to them and what value it will bring for them. But then we have to spend the rest of the session coming up with the plan that they need to accomplish that goal and make sure that we've got the measurable outcomes and the systems in place to make sure they achieve that. Exactly. Excellent. So in my earlier podcast, I've talked a lot about the many barriers and biases and patterns that create 
barriers for women wanting to advance in their careers and up-level their lives. And I also talk about the importance of identifying the problems, uh, really looking at those patterns that just are not serving us. And everything that happens can be used to serve you, or it can be used to sabotage you. And so what we want to do with the advancement model is use it as a way to interrupt bias patterns in ways that help serve versus hinder our efforts to advance and succeed in achieving our goals. You know, one of the most important things around this is understanding how our brains work and where we are just reacting versus responding, especially when we have triggers from things. I know on your previous podcast, you mentioned, you know, if you get stung by a bee once versus over and over and over again, and we develop those patterns and habits in our lives. And so it is very important to understand where we're just reacting versus choosing to respond. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. It really is uh, grounded in the neuroscience of the slow brain versus the fast brain. And if any of our listeners have read uh, Daniel Kamenin's book, Thinking Fast and Slow, he talks about how fast thinking is kind of unconscious, emotional, and instinctive, um, but it can result in those snap judgments. um, And sometimes, you know, in the case of biases, prejudices, and things of that nature. And slow thinking is more work for our brain and consumes more of our resources, but it allows us to kind of evaluate and understand better the uh, patterns and things that are impacting what is uh, causing the issue, the unconscious biases and those types of things. And um, I'm sure as you can imagine, it can be exhausting sometimes for women who constantly need to navigate those hidden or maybe potentially invisible barriers in some cases. I couldn't agree more. I think really identifying what patterns we're using and how they're serving us versus not serving us is the key to the next step for people to move forward in accomplishing their goals. So that's really an excellent segue into the four P's advancement model that I created, which can be a highly effective tool. And a lot of uh, what we're going to talk about is going to seem a little bit intuitive, but it's really kind of wrapping our mind around the process so that we can start to bring our slow brain into the process of navigating, you know, the barriers and the hindrances so that we can look at these patterns and ensure that they're serving us and not hindering us. Um, so this, uh, for those interested in looking and having a visual, you know, you may want to pause here and just go to my website, www.advancingwomenpodcast.com and click on the part of my site. That is the four P's advancement model. And you can actually see the visual in front of you. I know for a lot of people who think visually that will be helpful. The model focuses on problems, patterns, processes, and proficiency, which is where the four P's come from. So I think we'll start with problem. And this may seem kind of self-evident or obvious, right? You've got to establish and identify the problem. And so the issue with that is we don't always identify the problem. Sometimes we identify the outcomes of the problem. So we need to really get to the heart of what the problem is and then take it a step further and think about how the identified problem is situated within the larger social organization organizational and cultural constructs. So a person may say, well, the problem is I'm not valued. Um, And at the end of the day, that may be the 
uh, feeling that you have, but the actual problem is that you are not seeing the types of advancement that you had hoped to see. And then your thoughts about that are, okay, maybe I'm not as valued. So we need to really ensure that we're identifying the right problem, that we understand how our problem fits within the larger construct of the organization. And then we move into the second P, which is that pattern recognition. Okay. So we look at the problem and we say, okay, so here's the problem. Maybe I'm not advancing. Maybe I've been passed up for a promotion or I didn't get the raise that I had hoped for or whatever that is. And we have to sit there and say, well, what are the patterns, the antecedents, the barriers, the assumptions, the fallacies, all of the things that could be impacting this and could be causing us to um, to need to intervene in some ways and kind of disrupt those patterns. And Jeanette, I didn't know if you wanted to weigh in on this. I would love to, Kimberly. This is one of the opportunities when you're looking at achieving goals and advancement to take time to spend with emotional intelligence and really understand where your emotional reasoning is coming from. Are you using facts to augment your emotions when you're making your decisions so that you can have an expansive decision process? and not just jump to conclusions. That's one of the things that resonates for me uh, when I think about your model with the, you know, solving the problem and the pattern recognition. What are you just doing by default uh, that isn't serving you if you were to pause, which is one of my favorite P words is to just pause and really, you know, think about it from a responsive point of view versus just a reactionary point of view. I love that. Um, it really actually is a great kind of bridgeway between identifying the patterns and the barriers or the problems and that process part, um, disrupting the patterns. And sometimes disrupting the pattern is uh, looking at what's happening on the outside and how we respond to it. But sometimes it's about thinking about how we are thinking about it. And you really alluded to that. And so the process for me, I call the TKD process. And it's really simple. It's what you think, what you know, and what you do. I think, Danette, that your point is spot on and that we have to distinguish what we think we know or what we feel from the facts. So people might say, um, this problem is that I'm not valued, but that's an interpretation of a fact. So if you did not get promoted, that is an undeniable fact that we can all agree upon. The reasoning behind that is your own interpretation and your own thoughts and the meaning that you've applied to why that problem exists. So that is why that whole what you think, what you know, what you do, or mindset, skill set, tool set is so important. Is this a mindset thing where I have to think a little bit differently or other people are thinking in a way that isn't serving me? Or is this something that I need to work on from a skill set specifically, or are there certain tools that I need to implement that I don't have in place that are going to help me um, to address the, the problem at hand and transcend those barriers and interrupt those barriers? One of the things, Kimberly, that I think can be helpful from a process perspective when you're talking about barriers and pattern recognition, I think of it in terms of perspective. If you're standing face-to-face -face with somebody you're looking in one direction and they're looking in another. So if you're in a valley, somebody could be looking at a lake and somebody else could be looking at a mountain. Whereas if you're standing shoulder to shoulder, you're sharing their perspective and their point of view. You're seeing what they're seeing and have that same opportunity to assess the value of that information to what you're trying to accomplish. I love that visual, actually. It really makes a lot of sense. And um, it really 
speaks a little bit to being mindful of the narrative around the problem that we create. Um, Are we creating a narrative that serves us or a narrative that somewhat sabotages us to some degree? Um, We have to kind of detangle what we actually know from what we feel. And that's in no way discounting people's feelings. Uh, Everyone's feelings are absolutely valid, but they're different from the indisputable facts in many cases. So I'm not feeling valued is a feeling that emerges from a certain fact, potentially, maybe you didn't get the raise or the promotion, but your interpretation and to your point, Danette, where you're standing and the way you're looking at it may be a part of that. And so a big part of what you think, what you know, what you do is what is the part about what you do. Um, And I think some of that is how you react um, or are you reacting? Are you acting or are you not acting? Really? Those are the three choices. And I think Uh, A lot of what you talk about with emotional intelligence has to do with whether we choose to react, not react, or just take action. Yes, absolutely. So like I think about um, each person's difference. So when I don't feel valued, what do I do? So some people, when they don't feel valued, may overreact. Um, They may be very offended and be very vocal about it. Other people may detach or disengage. Other people may push harder. Some people may pivot. So there's a, a big part of the process of disrupting the patterns is thinking about which part of it. Is it the way I'm thinking about it? Is it actually what I know, do I actually need to learn in in a few different areas or grow certain skills or is it tools? Do I need to engage in additional resources or connections or whatever it is to help ensure that um, I'm getting to where I'm getting? And a lot of times it's a combination, right? So we may know certain things and have certain skills, but the perception may be. I've talked to women in finance in those types of areas who have said, you know, people see me as being very creative, but not necessarily as savvy financially, and I'm in a financial institution. So that's a disadvantage to me. And I want to use my, my skill of being very creative, but I need to position myself differently in my narrative to make people see and understand that I am also very financially savvy. And so sometimes it's just a function of kind of detangling all of those pieces between what you think, what you know, and what you do, and trying to understand which areas need focus and which areas I think can help drive us. I think when you look at proficiency too, in your model, think, know, and do when people want to advance, Kimberly, it's really important to make sure that we know what the organization values, because oftentimes we do things because we're good at them or we like doing them, but it may not be what's needed in order to make those who are making the decision feel that we have the competencies or proficiencies that we need and understanding what is that skill set for the position that we're seeking and and really be purposeful. I guess my my takeaway from that is in the proficiencies that we're developing, we need to be purposeful about that. I love how you've added a couple new Ps. So I've got my problem pattern process and proficiency, but you've added pause and you've added purposeful. And I think they're all excellent additions to the model because I think you're exactly right. And it really goes back even to the problem, which is how is my identified problem situated within the larger organizational constructs, right? So um, what do I need to do for people to see me 
in a, a particular way that maybe they're not seeing me in. And sometimes this is where these biases that I've talked about in the past really come into play because a lot of times the perceptions people have are not necessarily well-founded. And if we see that and we can understand that a person doesn't um, necessarily look at our behavior the same way that they might look at another person's behavior. And therefore we have to kind of note that and intercede. And I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the biases from last week we talked about for the purposes of illustration was the tightrope model, right? That, that kind of balance that we have to have between um, being liked, but also being seen as competent. And the research is pretty clear on this, that um, this can be more problematic and difficult for women. So uh, in business and in other organizations and domains, it, people are much more accepting when a man is more decisive um, and even maybe what might be considered aggressive. And there's less conversation about, oh, but are they nice? Or how do, did they make me feel good? And yet with women, we see different kinds of things, right? We see um, people seeing us a little bit differently. And so when you know this and you're armed with this, and this goes into then the overlap of proficiency and some of those manifesting those super skills, that grit and that anti-fragility and that resilience to say, okay, I am aware of the barriers and the biases that are in place here. And I'm not just going to keep letting them uh, get in the way. And I know that there are small things unfair or not that I can do to help with that. And I think some of the language, even like apologizing or um, considering times you're apologizing when you've really done something wrong versus say when someone else has made a mistake. And I've done this myself. You know, somebody doesn't get something right that I've asked them to do. And I find myself occasionally saying I should have made that clearer when they got it wrong. Um, I did this the other day with somebody in a different time zone. I said, you know, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and they and then when we got together, they were like, oh, I was thinking an hour from now. And I kind of found myself apologizing. And I thought, no, that's that's undermining, right? Um, <laughs> that is actually going to be as a hindrance for me in a way that it may not be for a male counterpart. And I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that yourself, Danette, but I think it's something we have to be mindful of. This is one of my uh, you know, if you think in terms of Dave Letterman's top 10, you know, my top 10 list <laughs> yes. of things I, I coach clients on, especially women clients, is to stop apologizing. We really don't have anybody but ourselves to blame for this. I think, it, well, maybe and the people who raised us, I don't know. Culturally, you know, we, we way over apologize and it's, it does not serve us. It absolutely does not serve us. If we pause back to, you know, one of my favorite P words is to pause and reframe that the way that I coach my clients is to think about what did you learn, articulate that, and what are you going to do differently? So instead of saying, I'm sorry, you can say, I really appreciate you calling that to my attention. I learned that didn't work. And next time I'm going to do X, just as an example. It, no, I think that makes a lot of sense, issue, right? It's like, I'll, I'll make it more clear next time. I'll make it clearer by having both time zones in there, West coast time, Pacific standard time, as well as East coast standard time. Um, but, you know, please, please stop apologizing. It, it does not serve anyone well. Um, and there's no way you can 
hurt somebody's feelings by not apologizing because you're just going to do it anyway. If I tell you to stop <laughs> doing it, right. And your yeah. listeners even cut it back just three to 5%, it could have a huge positive impact on their advancement. Yeah. And I think to pull in, um, you know, I will actually challenge the idea that sometimes we have no one to blame, but ourselves, um, you know, in previous podcasts, I've talked about, there are a lot of things that we have kind of been conditioned to do because when we don't do them, people just don't think we're nice enough. Right. And so there's a certain amount of women being made to feel like they have to apologize. And so they do it. And so that's a pattern of bias that then we have to interrupt. We have to say, you know what, I'm I'm just not going to do that anymore. I understand that society expects me as a woman to be more polite, that I'm supposed to be more nurturing and apologetic and all those things. And I'm just not going to do that because to your point, Annette, it doesn't serve me. And I'm certainly Um, If I'm a jerk, I'm going to say I'm a jerk. If I should apologize, I'm going to apologize. This is in no way to say don't apologize when you've actually done something wrong. This is about not apologizing when you actually haven't done something wrong because you feel that it's some kind of a social lubricant in terms of making things more comfortable or taking the weight of the discomfort off of the shoulders of others. And I think women are kind of taught very early on to try to make others more comfortable and that some of the ways we can do that. and, And to your point, it can really be at a disadvantage for us. And the same is true, I think, of accepting compliments. Uh, the research really shows that women's accomplishments are often attributed to luck, while men's accomplishments are attributed to talent. And so when people give us a compliment, it's very common for women because we're, we are, again, conditioned to be like we're team players and you don't want to seem um conceited, or you don't want to seem like you're full of yourself. And these are the kinds of words that men don't hear as often, and they're not as conditioned to hear. And so you deflect the compliments and someone might say, oh, you gave a great presentation. Oh, I think we all did really well. And I couldn't have done it without the help. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to acknowledge other people. But um, I think disrupting that is saying things like, thanks, I worked really hard. So I appreciate your feedback and recognition, you know, accepting that compliment, but also understanding the biases and the patterns that we have kind of been, you know, again, we look at them, we see them and we say, okay, I get my inclination towards this. I understand that I've been conditioned to a degree, but I am now going to deflect that because I reject that if I accept a compliment that somehow that means that I'm in some way being conceited or not appreciative. Uh, I don't have to accept that narrative any longer. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that opportunity to clarify my statement, Kimberly, usually when um, in a work environment, in a professional environment, people aren't expecting us to apologize for little things or even mistakes, right? Right. That's Absolutely. part of the learning process is yeah. I do think it is cultural, um, where women primarily have been conditioned to over apologize. And I think that th- the thank you is the other half of that coin. We can't just say thank you when in fact, just say thank you. You're serving yourself much better. Absolutely. And, and if you feel compelled to give credit to your team, by all means, do that. What I also coach people to do is don't hesitate to promote yourself if you want to get promoted and feel free to call attention to your contribution. It is not bragging if you say, thank you. I worked really hard, just like you said. And if we I love that, 
promoting ourselves. So we've, we've been conditioned to believe our work speaks for itself and guess what? It just does not. You're absolutely we'll right. Get lost in the noise. And if you want to be purposeful, call attention to the things that you have done well, and it will be remembered by those you're looking to promote you. Absolutely. And, you know, I think about, uh, the tightrope bias too, you know, that idea of, you know, as, as women culturally being liked, right. We have to make sure we're liked, um, versus just being competent. Um, so there's a lot of little, uh, things in every domain. We see this in the research where women take on certain kind of housekeeping, I call it office housekeeping or service oriented. So in academia, you know, women tend to serve on committees that are helpful and serve others, but don't necessarily serve their promotion. Uh, it happens in corporate environments in a lot of different areas. What I refer to as those service-oriented nice girl projects that just do not move the advancement needle, but take up valuable time that could better be spent choosing the types of projects that do move the needle, that serve our advancement goals. As we talked about before, the efforts that put you on the radar in terms of what is valued and rewarded in your organization. And I think it's interrupting that kind of voice in our head that has always said, well, how are you helping? How are you, uh, you know, for many years, men have been climbing the ladder uh, and women have been holding it steadily in place for them to climb. And so, um, you know, we're constantly fighting against that, that narrative. So I think we have to be mindful of those kinds of things as well when we're in, um, in those types of situations. I agree, Kimberly. And one of the things that can be really helpful, and I've used this in my own career quite a bit, I have been accused of being too direct uh, since grade school. My first visit to the principal's office was because I was too direct with my teacher. So it, it is something that I've worked on um, the you know, battle of being assertive versus being aggressive. And, and men never have to be faced with that, whereas women often are. If you're somebody, you know, in your listening community who struggles with that and they care a lot about being liked, one of the ways to overcome that is to have somebody, a person who is around you on a regular basis that you can rely on to give you that generous direct feedback and let you know, I'm going to say the B word, you know, let you know if you're being a, you know, a bitch right now. Yeah, absolutely. I said it in my last podcast, yeah. you know, are you, are you a competent bitch or a really nice person? Um, we often have to feel like we have to make that choice. And, you know, I don't want to be either a bitch, nor do I want to be incompetent and men can be competent um, and be aggressive and kind of look out for themselves. And, and we expected it. And, you know, I, I used the example in my last podcast of, you know, the movies where you see like the Wolf of Wall Street and look at this guy who's like revered for being so aggressive and zero sum and win, win, lose, you know, I win, you lose. Um, but any narrative or movie or depiction of a woman in that role, it's always kind of cat fights and um, queen bee and not looking out for other women. And you, you, men rarely say, well, are you looking out for other men? And, you know, what kind of a man doesn't look out for another man? You don't hear that very often, but you, you constantly hear, uh, look out for another woman. And I love that you say, you know, you remember hearing it even when you were younger, because so many of the exact qualities that people see in men that they say, wow, this person's going to be so successful. And they've really got the uh, kind of ambition and that really steadfast 
uh, decisiveness are the same things that come across as, you know, difficult to get along with, or, you know, sharp elbows and those types of words. And, and, and we do have to totally disrupt that and say, yeah, that's not working for me anymore. Um, I don't like that narrative. And to your point, I think finding people that can help you. And I think that's part of the process of this podcast. Hello, warriors. We are your people. We are here to tell you that you are not too much. You are absolutely not too much. And, you know, you're going to hear that you are, but you need to, you know, refocus and, and readdress the narrative in a way that it, it serves you. And I can think of so many examples where I've had to do that, where I've gotten into um, debates or, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm having a conversation with someone and all of a sudden I'm feeling like all of those kind of biases are coming into play. I was thinking about a disagreement I had at work a few years ago, but I think every woman listening, every woman who's ever had a debate in the workforce has had this situation. So I'm having this debate and I'm presenting my side and the man I'm talking to is saying, calm down, you're being defensive. So that whole calm down, right? You know, you rarely hear men hearing you need to calm down. Um, it's just, it's not as, as much a part of the kind of language of leading and managing men as it is with women. And I was by no means unhinged. I was calm and I was presenting my points logically. But the problem was he was losing the argument and decided to play the, you know, you're an emotional woman card. His narrative was calmed down. And I felt all the things, right? It comes rushing, flooding back in, you know, like your time in the principal's office. Oh my God, am I being too aggressive? Am I being, and I, I just took a step back and I said, no, I'm going to interrupt this. I'm going to interrupt this pattern. And I, I just said, why are you telling me to calm down? Do you feel like you are losing control? Because I knew I wasn't losing control. So I was trying to understand and get him to understand when you say calm down, I'm not sure what you mean because I'm calm. So perhaps you feel that you're losing control of the situation. And then with his narrative, you know, you're being defensive. I said, no, I am being defending. Defensive is dismissive of your viewpoint. And I'm not dismissing your viewpoint. I'm just presenting and defending my counter viewpoint. Uh, I read a, a Bustle article recently, and it said that the tone policing of women is so ingrained in our patriarchal society that plenty of men probably don't even know why it's so darn infuriating to us. Um, just because your tone policer doesn't think whatever you're discussing warrants an elevated response, it doesn't mean that necessarily you have to uh, adapt to their prescriptive bias of how an argument should be presented. And there's a bias called androcentric bias, which is where the male is the default. And when you're in a conversation like that and the male starts to say, well, I'm going to set the uh, criteria for how this is a good debate. I'm going to decide what the tone is and I'm going to decide how emotionally charged it needs to be. It becomes kind of that power struggle. And I think, you know, owning our narrative and saying, I hear you and I feel the things I feel, but I'm going to disrupt this narrative because when I think about it clearly, I recognize and see the biases. And again, the whole point of seeing the biases is not to complain or be a victim, but to say, when I see them, I can acknowledge them and I can understand, okay, there's that bias. It's making me feel, you know, the way it sometimes makes me feel, but how can I interrupt that and come back in with a narrative that I actually think is more accurate in terms of the situation at hand? I think the way that you handle that, Kimberly, is such a powerful lesson. The power of questions 
getting back to my earlier reference on emotional intelligence, where we can establish that emotional reasoning, gather facts, get information, be aware of others. We are so conditioned to just respond to things that we are told. And I, and I do coach clients on this also. It is perfectly acceptable and often advisable to respond with a question. Don't just perform as you're being directed or expected, but ask a question so that you understand what's really driving the things that are being said to you, to your point, so that you can control that narrative and have it benefit you. Because at the end of the day, what we want your listeners to walk away from this conversation is you have the ability to influence and impact your advancement. And if you ask questions and you take control of that narrative and you really understand what's bothering them, then you can respond in a more effective way to accomplish your goals. Absolutely, Danette. Very well said. I love that. It actually speaks wonderfully and directly to the fourth P in the advancement model, proficiency, in terms of how we manifest those super skills. And I think when you talk about things like emotional intelligence, that women the research shows women are notably strong in areas of emotional intelligence. And here's the thing. It's unfortunate that we have to deal with these constant barriers and biases, but the good part of that is that we're constantly having to hone those skills. So we have the super skills oftentimes of grit, you know, getting knocked down, picking ourselves back up, anti-fragility, getting stronger and stronger as we overcome these obstacles, right? We, we realize how much more badass we are. Sometimes I just think every woman out there, every warrior listening who is successful, do you even realize how many barriers that you have had to overcome every day to be where you are and how just incredibly powerful that is, but also things like communication skills and taking the time to let that slow brain in and using those emotional intelligence skills that tend to be so strong with women in part as a response to having to hone them all the time, because we have so many more circumstances where we have to do that. And I see, I think, you know, sometimes the proficiencies we need to gain or to get ahead are very specific skills or very specific areas of growth that we need to look to. But oftentimes it's actually manifesting skills we already have using that slow brain, using that emotional intelligence, that grit, that resiliency, that those kind of super Uh, communication skills that we have had to become so good at over time and saying, you know, maybe they came about from an unfortunate, unfair, inequitable circumstances, but they are still part of my super skills and my tool belt. And they are tools that I have access to at any time to help kind of transcend those barriers and advance and up level. That's the beauty of emotional intelligence. It is 100% learnable skills. And by and large, women have the talent to use those far more effectively because we do have some of those innate gifts around being empathetic towards other people that some other people may have to learn. You know, oftentimes it's men. Uh, You know, they don't necessarily have that same empathetic tendency. Well, they haven't needed it. I mean, when you're allowed to behave and and speak without there being all kinds of interpretations of, are you this enough? And are you that enough? You actually don't have to hone those skills, which is kind of what I mean. And I think you're absolutely right. Like 
sometimes those negative biases or those barriers can actually help us to become stronger and better. And I do think that's why, Danette, um, we see some of those patterns. And I love that that's such a focus. It's probably part of why uh, I've come to you when I myself, as a person who coaches, I have turned to you, even with launching this podcast, to say, you know, kind of help me understand um, how my emotional intelligence and my super skills can help me get over the barriers, whether they're, you know, my mindset, my skill set, or my tool set. What do I need to do here? I think that being able to take those talents that are innately in us and apply a higher level of tools that you've mentioned really does give you that superpower. Kimberly, and it's been a pleasure working with you because you have such a goal-oriented, uh, proactive, dynamic uh, personality anyway, that it's, it's really uh, enjoyable and fun to help you accomplish those goals. But taking what you already have, you know, for your listening community and putting some intentional use to those can be so powerful in how you help yourself, but the role model that you're going to be for other people in the room watching you. And there's, you know, nothing more satisfying oftentimes than empowering others to do things better than we would have done it ourselves, you know, kind of to begin with. And that's where I I really want to say congratulations to you on your podcast. You've done such a great job of bringing this literature and information to the forefront and helping people get better at things that, you know, make a difference for them. I have to laugh because I almost just responded with, well, I couldn't have done it without the help of people like you. <laughs> and well, I realized that that pattern. And I thought, well, thank you, Danette. I'll take that. I've worked really hard to make this happen. And I do acknowledge, though, those who've helped me get there. So I think that that's a, a, it's wonderful to see sometimes how those lessons are there all the time. And we have so many opportunities to practice these types of um, models and uh, patterns. And as I said, the four P's advancement model for me has been so helpful myself when I use it, when I work with students or clients or others on it, because the idea um, and every episode I have kind of a manifest statement. And today I'm going to steal my manifest statement from James Clears, which is you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. And my hope is that you will use systems. Uh, Maybe it's this model, maybe it's this tool, but any of the tools that are necessary to kind of disrupt and to recreate the situation in a way that serves us, I think is the ultimate goal. So with that, I do want to say thank you so much, Danette, for joining us here today. I love your energy. You have such great insight. And I would love to share with our listeners where they can find you if they want to learn more about you or more about your coaching. Great. Thank you for the opportunity. It has been my pleasure to be here. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's Danette, D-E-N-E-T-T-E, Suddeth, S-U-D-D-E-T-H. I am at Danette at Suddeth, Inc., com and my website is www.suddethinc.com. Thank you for the opportunity. You're very welcome. And I will make sure that I put that information in the notes of this podcast. And I thank you. And I thank all of our listeners today for spending time with us and continuing to work as warriors do towards that goal of advancing and up-leveling their lives. Thank you all.
For all you warriors listening who want to continue to transcend barriers and thrive, you won't want to miss next week's episode, so make sure to hit that subscribe button. For more resources to help you transcend and thrive, you can visit my website, www.advancingwomenpodcast.com and connect on Instagram at Advancing Women Podcast. I love getting your feedback and ideas on topics you'd like to hear me cover in more depth or new topics you'd like me to explore. So please email me at drdsimone at advancingwomenpodcast.com with your ideas and feedback. That's D-R-D-E-S-I-M-O-N-E at advancingwomenpodcast.com. I just want to thank my producer, Joe Jacobs, the audio warrior who wrote the music for this podcast. It's totally badass and I love it. And a huge thanks to Heather Harris, the creative warrior who designed the Advancing Women podcast logo. And thanks to all of you for joining me here today.